I don't enjoy being weak. Um, when Corey and I were first married and his parents gave us the car that they had loaned him in college when his broke down, that didn't feel weak. That just felt like a nice thing that family does to help family when they're able. Um, when our daughter Leanna was born and our coworkers gathered around us and provided meals for weeks, again, that didn't feel weak. That just felt celebratory and like they were encouraging us. Um, but when we came to the US in February 2020 for a three-week vacation and the whole world shut down and we were without a home and we had five outfits that we had packed for Georgia, um, that felt a little bit vulnerable. And then as the pandemic wore on and we were dealing with all kinds of um, guidelines and changing guidelines and isolation and everything going online and, and the stress of just all of the chaos and uncertainty, like it was exhausting, it continues to be exhausting. Um, and in July, when we finally, Mongolia was starting to open up just a little bit and we got tickets to go back home, we had a goodbye party, we gave away everything that didn't fit in our six suitcases, and then our tickets got canceled for the sixth time. And whatever margin we had in our lives was just slowly crushed out of us. And I have never felt so weak for so long as I have for the last 18 months. Um, I've also never had the opportunity to be in the front row to see the Church of God show up in all its very giftedness like I've been able to in the last 18 months. So as a family, we've benefited from people's gift of faith that God had us where he wanted us, that he was going to take us where he wanted us to be, when he wanted us to be there, when we had trouble believing. Um, we benefited from people's gifts of encouragement when Margie stopped by to check on us or Linda or Aaron sent us cards. Um, we benefited from people's gifts of mercy when they gave us space just to be angry and frustrated and tired and numb and when they cried with us and just felt with us. Um, we benefited from people's gifts of generosity when um, people helped stock a pantry that had been empty or helped us get winter clothes for a season we were about to endure and looks like we might get to again here. Um, but just, you gathered around us. And so we, we, we watched online, we showed up in person, but more than the church services, what has helped buoy our souls is the church people, seeing your gifts in action and benefiting from those. Um, so when we talk about spiritual gifts, like we're going to do in a minute, I just wanna encourage you that when you show up, it doesn't always need to be in a full-on programmatic framework of church ministry, um, that your gifts are gonna be expressed, that a lot of the ways that God uses us, in addition to those, is in the everyday interactions with people as we just listen to the Holy Spirit's guiding in our workplaces, in our schools, in our homes, and sitting by yourselves in our cars. Um, but that's, that's where God speaks to us and prompts us a lot of times. So. Let's jump into talking about spiritual gifts. Um, three weeks ago, when Pete introduced the series, he talked about the importance of our character running ahead of our giftedness. And 1 Corinthians 13 goes into the importance of love, that if you don't love, it doesn't matter what your giftedness is, um, that the character and our love for other people has to run above our ability to do ministry and to serve people. Um, two weeks ago, Thad talked about how everyone has a gift, that everyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ, who is part of the body of Christ, has some kind of gifting um, that can be used to contribute to the body. 
And then last week, Pete talked about the importance of diversity in the gifts, that we all can't be the same and do the same, um, and that, yeah, so the importance of diversity within the body. And then this week, we're going to talk about the importance of each other, that a body functions as an interdependent unit, that we need each other. So if you have a Bible or your app, or if you just want to look on the screen, you can not do this, but go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 21, and we'll start reading together. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. So Paul starts all of this um, by saying that I can't say to the hand, I don't need you, that no part of the body can say to any other part of the body, I don't need you. And then this next section is talking about why they can't say that. Um, and so it's using the body as a metaphor to explain our interdependence. Um, a couple weeks ago, my daughter, uh, who's 11, was pulling her bike out of a bike rack, and the bike somehow fell over, and the part of the pedal that has the pokey parts that keep your foot from sliding off, like, bashed right into her knee there. So it broke the skin, she got a little bit of blood, there was some bruising, but overall it was fine. Um, knees are designed to handle a beating. Uh, so they, they have skin to protect them, the bones. It's a very safe place to have a bicycle pedal attack you. Um, if you were to take a different part of the body, like your liver, for example, and the same thing were to happen to that, the bicycle pedal um, attacked the liver, it would not fare so well, right? Like it's not designed to take a beating. It doesn't have the protection. Um, if it's exposed, it doesn't have the protection of the skin and the bone in the same way. So Instead, your liver is inside your body and it's surrounded by fat and skin and fluids and all kinds of other stuff um, to keep it safe because it's a weaker part, so your body gives it extra protection. And just because I can't see it and just because it's weaker doesn't mean I can say to it, I don't need you, liver. It's a lot easier to live without a knee than it is to live without a liver. And so Paul's saying the parts that seem to be weaker, we still need those. They're not dispensable. And then he goes on to talk about the parts that are less honorable, that we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable that we treat with special modesty, um, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. And so the commentators, the people who research the Bible and then write the really thick books about each verses, um, believe that this is talking about um, the parts that we usually keep covered by our bathing suits or underwear um, and that we don't usually talk about on church or from stage or in mixed company. But Paul brings it up because these parts of the body get special protection. They get extra layers of clothing. They, get, um, they don't see the sun a whole lot. That, that even um, these parts that seem less honorable or less presentable you give extra attention to and you protect. So again, in the same way that the parts that are presentable, the hands and the face, can't say to those other parts, I don't need you, we can't say to any part of the body who we don't see as often or, or seems less presentable that we don't need them. Um, and then the next verse, 
points out, but God has put the whole body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. For if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, um, every part rejoices with it. So I think you all can relate to the feeling probably of wearing a sandal and getting a little rock um, in your foot and you start walking and Suddenly you're not putting all your weight on your foot and you're bending your knee and then your hips get weird and your shoulders tense up. That one little little rock bothering your foot ends up affecting your whole body. Or if you have a toothache, like it, if it's bad enough, it can become impossible to work, impossible to interact with people, that this little thing, this little nerve is causing so much pain, it affects your whole body because it's interconnected. Um, likewise, when it talks about um, if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Think about the Olympics um, recently and when people won a medal, they would stand on the podium and they would get a medal put around their neck. So their neck is the part of the body that was being honored, but it, the whole person is receiving the honor. It's just one little part was physically affected by it. And so it's the same thing here. And it's just pointing out again that the whole body is connected and we all need each other. Um, so what, okay, this always happens and I have to catch, catch up with my brain. Um, so Paul is saying here to people, or to the church in Corinthians, you can't say, I don't need you. And so one of the good questions we can ask is who is Paul specifically talking to? Like who is saying, I don't need you? And to understand that, we're gonna jump back into chapter 11, uh, verse 17. So if you have a physical Bible or app and you wanna turn there, you can. Um, but to give you some context for this passage, the church in Corinth was gathering every week and they would have a meal and they would celebrate communion and they would have a worship time. And Paul was saying, oh my gosh, you're doing such a terrible job. Um, he actually says here, in the following directives, I have no praise for you. For your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So I've been watching or listening to the Office Ladies podcast, and I don't know if anyone else listens to that, but they frequently talk about Pam sass. So when the character Pam in the office gets a little sassy, they point it out. This is some serious Paul sass. Um, this whole book, he's got an attitude. Like, this is not a nice letter that he's writing to the church. I mean, it's nice. It says some nice things. But also, I mean, he's saying, I have no praise for you. The, the, your meeting together is actually doing more harm than good. Um, and here he's saying, of course there have to be differences among you. That's how you know who's in and who's out. Like, he's being sarcastic and saying, yeah, he's Paul Sass. So, um, what was happening here, and it's helpful to understand a little of Corinthian culture, um, is that it was very normal. They had a lot of different gods, a lot of different temples. So it was very normal for someone to host a meal at one of those temples. And when they hosted a meal, um, that person would pay for it. They would invite friends and connections. And it was a society that cared a lot about status and who was more important and all of that. So when they sat at the table, they would actually sit from most important to least important. So you would have the person hosting the meal and maybe um, all throughout the different levels of society. So if there, any of their slaves were there, they'd be sitting at this end. And, and the food and the wine would flow from this end 
to that end. And so um, what was happening is people sitting at this end at this meal would eat a lot and drink a lot, and some of them were getting drunk at church while this they brought the same thing to church, but some of them would get drunk, and then the people over here might not get any food, might not get any of the wine. And so Paul says that when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you're eating. This communion that you think you're doing, it's not actually that. For when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers, and as a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Um, and the problem is they took this thing that made sense in their culture and they brought it into their church and they said, oh, when we worship, this is what we do. We have a feast and we share a meal and we give the most important people a seat here and the least important here and then the food starts here and works its way down. And Paul is horrified by this because in the church there shouldn't be distinctions, which doesn't mean there shouldn't be differences. We've talked about the importance of diversity. There should be differences, but there shouldn't be differences that say better and worse. There shouldn't be haves and have-nots. There are no super Christians and loser Christians. Like when, it, when we come to the table, we all come to an equal seating. And so, um, so no one should get hungry and no one should get drunk. Um, and he says, continues, don't you have homes to eat and drink in, or you, do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. Um, so again, Paul's talking to the people who kind of have it all together, that have the money, that have the status, and saying you can't look at anyone else and say you don't need them. Um, and this goes on to say, so in this passage, it continues, and we hear this um, nearly every week with communion, um, so you'll hear it again later, but he's saying you shouldn't do it in this honor status way. You should do it at an equal footing um, at a table where you all have an equal seat. And for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So he's saying no status, no divisions, um, no saying I don't need you because of, of anything really. Um, and this comes up again in the middle of chapter 12 that we've talked about, and I think Tad, Thad touched on this two weeks ago. Uh, for we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. And so there's this constant tension, especially in the Corinthian church, but also in our church, where we see people as different than us or other than us. And whether it's political parties or skin color or country of origin or a financial status, like all these different things that in our minds, often without thinking about it, we're ranking people and where we fit and who's important to talk to. And Paul's saying, don't, don't do that. Don't let status be something that separates you um, at church, for we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Um, so we can't say, I don't need you. And um, what does this mean to us? I think some of that's probably obvious. But one thing is, it means that you are not an island. Um, it's easy to come to church and to think about yourself and your relationship with God and then, and then leave and not realize the connection you have to the rest of the body. So this is me on my island 
And I imagine my island is surrounded by water, but Corey was like, maybe it's surrounded by lava. So you can imagine water or lava, whatever you prefer, on your island, where you are not able to touch other people, you don't have to be affected by them. Um, this, this is my island. And so when you are being an island, you are, you are basically saying to people, I don't need you. Um, and most of us don't blatantly think this, right? Like it's not intentionally saying, I don't need you. Um, but there are different ways it shows up. So we're going to talk about these. And as we talk about them, I just want you to encourage you to kind of try them on and see how they fit because there are different parts in my life where probably I have been the different kinds of islands that I'm going to talk about. So the first kind of island is just the interdependent or the independent island. This is the island who, who has their whole life together, um, who comes and serves maybe. They recognize other people need them, but they don't need other people. Um, they've got it together. They, maybe they have the flashy upfront spiritual gifts. Um, but they're on this, this space where they say, ah, I'm good, I don't need you. Um, and so I just want to challenge you if there's any part of you saying that today, that we actually desperately need each other. Um, we physically, biologically, there are things that happen in our bodies when we have good, healthy relationships with people. Um, practically, we need to be around other people because we each bear the image of God, but we do that differently. So there are things that I'm gonna learn about God by the different people that I interact with that I wouldn't learn any other way. So even if you can't do anything, simply existing shows us something about who God is, and that's critical. It's something that we can't get on our own. We need that from other people. Um, and the third thing is, all of this that happens on a Sunday morning takes so many people to make it happen. So even if you are just coming here and sitting and saying, I don't need people, um, you can think about how many people you've already seen on stage today. Um, if you look at that black space back there, sorry, online people, I know you can't see back there, um, but there's several people sitting there controlling the lights and the sound. There's people in that room that are mixing and doing the cameras and the screens. There were people who set out all the signs coming in, people who greeted us, made us coffee, took my kid into Kid City, are discipling my child right now. Um, and then during the week, it's not just on Sunday mornings that we show up. To make Sunday mornings happen, we need people who are cleaning the space and um, buying the coffee. We are very thankful for the people who buy the coffee, are we not? We are. Okay, so the, the, the people who pay the electric bill, like you wouldn't be able to see me if it weren't for that person, and you don't often think, man, I hope I can do the ministry of paying the bills. Um, but that person is critical for us to see each other right now. Um, so... Just in a practical way, you can't, you were not designed to meet your own spiritual needs. We need each other. We can do this together. So those two types of islands. The third type of island is a self-protective island. Um, and this is for the people that either you've been hurt by people or you've been hurt by the church and just showing up today was kind of brave for you. Um, or just a season of life where you just can't do it, like either because your kid's nap schedule gets messed up or because it's the middle of a pandemic and if you have to interact with people, you feel like your brain might break. Um, there were Sundays like I was just like, I can't, talk to, I can't talk to a human today. Like I cannot be part of this today. So there are seasons when we withdraw for a little while um, and it's important to do that. We need healing. It's just not good for us to stay there forever. And so, um, yeah, if you, 
try those on and see if any of them fit. But if you are the person who's just independent and says, um, I don't need you, I just wanna challenge you to ask God to reveal your need to you. Because you do need people. Um, maybe you just don't know it. And, and that's a good thing, because you already have those needs. It's not like he's gonna create needs for you. He's just gonna expose what's already there. Um, so I wanna challenge you to ask God, who do I need? Why do I need them? Uh, for the person who is the, oh, I didn't even mention this island yet, did I? Um, the, I guess I just never thought about it island. Like you're the people who come every Sunday and just never thought about the fact that it takes half a million people to make Sunday mornings happen in ministry throughout the week. And I just wanna challenge you to take the next step, whatever that is, whether it's a spiritual gifts assessment online or talking to someone about getting engaged in ministry. Um, and if you're on the self-protective island, I just wanna invite you to just kind of dip your toe in the water. So it has to be water, I guess, not lava, because I want you to dip your toe in. Um, but, but do that and, and take a step to maybe talk to someone or send a Facebook friend request or ask for prayer. So if you're not an island, if you're not a person saying, I don't need you, you might be an appendix. How many of you, I mean, yeah, okay. How many of you have had your appendix removed? Okay, a few of you. Um, I still have mine, but about four years ago, um, my mom's appendix started attacking her and was trying to kill her, and so the doctors took it out, and so my mom no longer has an appendix. And um, other than a few scars and a short recovery period, her life is no different not having had an appendix, because appendix, appendixes, it's, it's Good grief. It's appendixes if it's talking about the organ, and appendices if it's talking about stuff at the back of the book. So appendixes are dispensable. You are not an appendix. You are not dispensable. Um, but you might believe that you are. You might have had someone in your life tell you that you are not needed, and so you sat down and got off the bench. You might have believed something that society told you. You might have... Um, just the, you might believe the lie that you, are, you don't have a gift, you don't have anything to offer, that your gift is inconsequential. You might be ashamed of who you are. You might be ashamed of your past or your present and think God couldn't use someone like me. Um, and it's always so interesting to hear that as a pastor because seriously, like no one's sin or situation is that unique. And I know it feels so big to you, um, and it is, it's big and it's important, but but God can use anyone and God uses anyone. Um, so the lies, the fear, um, maybe fear that you'll be overworked or overused because that's happened before, um, or the shame. And so you're sitting here and you're, someone has said, I don't need you, and you have said, oh, yep, that sounds right. Mm -hmm. And, and you're, not, you're not being part of the body, and it's tragic because we need you, and, and we need you to stop believing the lies and stop living in fear and, and address the shame that's holding you back from being the interdependent part of the body you are. So if that's you, I would encourage you to take some time with the Lord and address some of those lies and fear and shame. Maybe talk to another human being about that. Um, but also just take the next step, whatever that looks like for you. So you are not an appendix. You are not an island. Um, Oh, words. Yes, there you go. You are not an appendix. You are not an island. But I also want to address a third group of people, and those are the people here who aren't even part of the body yet, um, that you've never kind of made that step to join 
uh, the church. You've never really started your relationship with God. You've never connected to a local body. And so today I just want to invite you to be part of something bigger than yourselves, to be part of this global church. Um, when you when you start your relationship with God, you become part of this body, and then you have the opportunity to join a local expression of that, a local church. And this is a pretty cool church to be a part of. So um, just over the last several years, I've seen you guys give tens of thousands of dollars to help people keep their lights on, to prevent eviction. I've seen you pack up hundreds of bags um, for kids to take home on the weekends if they live in food insecure homes. Like we partner with schools to do that, to make sure kids have food on the weekends. Um, I've seen hundreds of kids mentored through Kids Hope. Um, we, during the um, pandemic, there were times when Mongolia basically shut down for, for five weeks, was on lockdown, and so people who literally live day to day, like they go to the store and they buy their cup of rice and their one egg at a time, um, suddenly were unable to work or leave other than to buy groceries for five weeks, and the church showed up, and you guys actually sent enough money for literally hundreds of families to eat for five weeks. In Mongolia, there are people right now who are preparing to run half marathons, to raise water, to build wells. So, so this local body is literally changing the world. And when you become part of it by becoming part of the body of Christ, um, you get to be part of that. And it's a pretty exciting thing to be part of. Um, and in addition to those humanitarian practical needs, um, even right now, like our kids are being discipled downstairs. When Warehouse starts up again, we've got a safe place for teens to land when they are figuring out life, which is hard enough um, as a normal teenager, but normal teenager during pandemic is insane. And so we've got people providing a safe place for that. And the great thing about being part of a body is that you don't have to do all of it. Um, if you do something together, we can do so much. And so in a world where six out of 10 people don't have access to a Christian in their, in their community, where um, people are hungry and thirsty, in a world where thousands of people in West Michigan will never step inside a church door, we have the opportunity as the body of Christ to show up with all of our gifting to to make a difference, to impact people, to invite them into the life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. So we need everybody to stop being an island, stop thinking you're an appendix, um, and then to show up with your whole self, whatever gifts that you have, um, and be the body of Christ. Uh, so let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be involved in something bigger than ourselves that this isn't about us necessarily, it's about your kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven and us being your body and you let us do that. And so I pray that you would, you would help us to recognize our need, that you would help us to recognize what we have to offer and that you would help us to live as the independent or interdependent body parts um, that we are. In Jesus' name, amen.